if you have your, if you have your Bible handy, then um, can you open it up to Psalm 133? I'm just going to read from uh, the NLT, New Living Translation. It says, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. It's a cool promise, eh? Such an encouraging psalm. Uh, I don't know, for me, uh, I've been hearing more and more over the last few years about um, what people have been calling an epidemic of loneliness. Have you heard anything like that? Uh, in April last year, uh, there was a new New York Times article that had, the, had, had an article about this. It had the heading, How Loneliness is Damaging Our Health, and had the subtitle, Even Before the Pandemic, There Was an Epidemic of Loneliness. And it was affecting physical health and life expectancy. Um, I'm on an email list from a vineyard pastor and theologian whose name is uh, Jeff Holsclaw. And, and he, this week's email started with this. Loneliness is a rising epidemic leading to a crisis of meaning. How can we find deeper connection? As some of you might, might relate to this, I, I know I can. Um, and one of, the, one of my memories really stands out. is actually when I first started at Wellington College. Uh, way back in 1991, that's frightening, that's a long time ago, um, 1991, but I went from, a, went from a small school, Wadestown School, a few hundred kids, we knew, you know, knew everybody, most of our classmates were, were friends, and I went to, um, you know, a school of um, a couple of thousand people into a class and I had, had no friends. And the worst time of the day for me was lunchtime. Because I don't know, don't know what to do. Like, who do you, who do you talk to? What do you do? I felt. I remember feeling scared. I remember feeling vulnerable. I remember feeling unsettled and anxious. Um, and and to this day, I'm so grateful for the for the friends that I eventually made uh, that year. It took took months and months, but eventually I made some friends. So you might you might relate to that sort of experience and. So why did I feel that way? And why, why, why do we often feel like that? And it's because we're designed to be in community. We all are. The, the biblical worldview is that we, the biblical, biblical worldview is that humanity is made in the image of God. God is, God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three, three persons distinct and yet one substance. We were talking a little bit about that before the service, hey, about the, the dance of the Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, yet one substance. The Holy Trinity is in community. And, and when we look at uh, Genesis, when we read Genesis 1 and 2 and, and read about creation, what we, what we find out is that God made, God made all things. And in Genesis 1.31, he, he looks out over all that He had made. He saw all that He made and say, It's good. It's good. But then in chapter 2, we discover that, that one thing, there's one thing that wasn't quite as good as what God wanted. One thing wasn't as good as what God wanted. The man that God made was alone, and God says, it is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. 
I'll make a helper who's just right for him. And then, and then God uh, causes the man to fall asleep, took a rib from him and made, made the rib into a, into a woman, Eve. So instead of, instead of a man being alone, there was now a community, Adam and Eve and God in this, in this amazing community. And then it was good. It was good all until the fall. When, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and rebelled against him and they took to eat what he had not given them, and this introduces a, a terminal separation between, between them and God and also introduces separation between Adam and Eve. Immediately, there's conflict between them. You know, Adam blames Eve. Immediately, there's conflict between them, hostility, antagonism, and they pass this disunity onto their, onto their sons, Cain and Abel. And we read about this in Genesis chapter 4. Cain, the older brother, he becomes jealous of the younger brother, Abel's relationship with God, and he's so jealous that he kills his brother. This is that, that hostility, that antagonism that, that results. That results from Adam and Eve's decision to eat from the tree and disobey God and introduce all those layers of separation. As Adam and Eve's offspring, we also inherit that disease. And so we, we have this desire in our hearts to, to be with other people and to share in community and to, you know, to have good friends. And, and at the same time, we often sabotage, we have this, often sabotage that drive for community in different ways. But nonetheless, we were made to be together. God's vision is for us to be in community. Uh, Dallas Willard, uh, who, who you might have heard about, he, he died a number of years ago. He wrote, The aim of God in history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with himself included in that community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. So when, and when you read the Bible and you jump forward in history, you jump all the way into the future, there's the, there's the vision of John in the book of Revelation, which paints a picture of what the future will be like. And in this, in this vision, he sees a vast crowd, people from every tribe, every nation, people, all, you know, people from different languages, all together standing in front of the throne of God and before the Lamb, and they're all praising to God together, and they're all shouting for some reason, I wrote here, shouting with a great road. I don't think they're shouting, shouting with a great road. Shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. It's an epic vision, eh? And I think it's with this vision in mind that it says in John 17, uh, verse 2. I've got this up on the, hopefully. Yeah, Jesus, this is Jesus praying. And I think he has this vision in mind. And, and this is what he prays. He goes, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. That's us, right? I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me. Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can all see the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. 
Jesus' praise for his followers that includes us, even though we're a couple of thousand years later. He prays, he's praised for his followers, people who put their hope and trust in him. He prays that we will be one just as God is one. Isn't that epic? <laughs> God is one. The Holy, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. Here in, here in the vineyard, we often talk about the now and the not yet in the sense of the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. Um, in Jesus' earthly ministry, we talk about how in Jesus' earthly ministry, he ushered in the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. And yet that kingdom hasn't yet been fully, fully uh, fulfilled. That day is still to come. God's kingdom, we say, God's kingdom has been inaugurated, but it has not yet been consummated. And so we're living in this tension. We're living in the, in the presence of the future. Uh, for example, in the, in the future kingdom of God, in the, in the, in the vision that, that, that John saw, this future, there's no sickness, there's no disease. And, and it's here in the, in, in the here and the now, sometimes when we pray for people, they're healed. And the healing is then a taste of that future reality now. And it's the same of the community that Jesus prayed for. The vision that John saw of the people from every nation, tribe, people and language, all together in God, that's a, that's a future reality. This oneness, this unity. Is it too windy? Yeah, a bit windy. This vision of the future, that's a, that's a future reality, but we taste of that future reality now. And the, the Bible has many metaphors for this community, such as the, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of God or God's house, the temple of God, and there are more. Uh, in, in Ephesians, Paul talks about it. Man, my clicker's like not clicking so well. Ephesians 2, this is what Paul writes. He goes, for through, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. A dwelling place for God. This is, this is what we are being built, built into, built towards. And most often we call this community the church. The church is, is, not, is not the building. Uh, you, you might have seen, you might remember that sort of like the illustration from your childhood, that whole thing where you put your hands together. Does that make a, you remember that? Okay. This is the church, here's the steeple, open the door, here's all the people. I remember, I remember uh, hearing a guy, uh, Gary Best, uh, who used to be a pastor of, um, over, in Vin- over in Canada, and he said, that's from the pits of hell. <laughs> what he was pointing at, the, the, because in that little illustration, it, the building is the church, but it's the people who are the church. I told that to Tessa, and she goes, her mum's got an uh, updated version, which is like... Um, about the, church, about the church being the people. I can't remember. It's too complicated for me. Church is the people gathered, and it's really actually hard to get, our, get the language because we often go, oh, you know, we, we call this place the church. Um, you know, we're buildings, our churches. And so getting that language, is, getting that language is, is quite challenging, but it's also quite important. Church is the people gathered. So right now, we, we are gathered. We are the church. When we all leave, 
the building is just a pretty shabby office space with worn out bits of carpet and bad paint jobs and blue tack stuck all over the place, you know. <laughs> it's just what it is, right? It's just a building. Church is the people gathered. And as ordinary and as messy as we are, together we are a foretaste of the community of God described in Revelation. It, and it's almost uh, like we, we, we are a reflection of what that future, what that future will be. Uh, quoting um, John Wimber, one of the forefathers of the Vineyard Movement, he, uh, there's this little book he wrote called Kingdom Fellowship. And he wrote in this, early Christians understood themselves as a new race of men and women. This produced a new relationship with one another. Old barriers were overcome. Jews and Gentiles, men and women, slaves and free men, all found themselves joined together in Christ. This new relationship was signaled by the term brethren, brother and sister, which is the most common New Testament word for Christians. So even though we're, we're ordinary, even though we're a bit, bit messy, even though our, our gatherings are nothing spectacular, church is a foretaste of the kingdom. It's a foretaste of the future. Church is, church is not the kingdom of God. Sometimes people might get mixed up and they, they sort of equate, they bring these things together, like church is the kingdom, but church is not the kingdom. Church is, church is more like a sign, a sign of the kingdom. The, the, the trajectory, I really like that word trajectory, but I find it hard to say. The trajectory, it's easier to type. The trajectory of this fellowship is towards what we read about in the Bible. Even though it might feel and look pretty ordinary, simple, mundane, a little bit windy if you're sitting where mum's sitting, this is a kingdom activity. This is a kingdom activity. Don't you think it's wild? It's extraordinary. It's mysterious. It's supernatural. God among us. God, it says in Psalms, He is enthroned in the praises of His people. God among us. Jesus said it. And this is, I think, one of my favourite verses, especially at the beginning of a service when there's only a few of us here. He says, Matthew 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. And I think this is like, this is actually phenomenal. This means you might be in a, in a conversation with just one other person. So there's two of you. And you might like decide that, that, that you want to have some intentionality around your conversation. Like maybe you want to talk about Jesus. Maybe you want to encourage each other in, in, your, in your journey of faith together. Whatever happens, if you are, if you are, are believers and you are gathered in his name, he says, I am there among them. Jesus is there. And in the book of Acts, we read about what happened when God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, fell upon and filled a gathering of early believers. There's sort of the, the spectacular part when the Holy Spirit came upon, upon that group of people that we read about in Acts 2. A massive sound, the sound of, of, uh, of a southerly blowing across Wellington, this massive sound. And they saw fire falling from heaven, like resting upon each of their heads. And then they began to speak in different languages, and then they fled out onto the streets, and thousands of people came to believe in Jesus. And then we kind of jump to the end of Acts chapter 2. We read about what they did. And what they did was they formed a community. 
All the believers, this is Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, like we did today, and to prayer. You know, uh, Chris Hipkins, our new Prime Minister, he, he said he's going to get back to the bread and butter. Have you heard that, the bread and butter stuff? Oh, man, I love bread and butter. Fresh bread with some butter, it's the best. Anyway, but he talked about like getting back to the bread and butter stuff. And I think this is the bread and butter stuff for us as followers of Jesus. The, the, teaching of, uh, the teaching of the apostles, like what we read in the Scriptures, learning from that, the teaching, the, the fellowship, fellowshipping with one another, communion, like what we, we took today, and prayer. The Greek word for fellowship used here is uh, kononia, and it, and it has a sense of like sharing life in common or to participate communion, communally. It has a sense of, of being family. Alexander Venter, I'm quoting from a lot of people today, because there's just so much, so much amazing stuff you can read. Alexander, Vin- uh, Alexander Venter wrote this. He goes, um, belonging and participation in blood family in the home is naturally organic. All right? That, you're kind of tracking with that so far. You're, you're born into your family. You don't have any choice in it. It's naturally organic. But we quickly discover it is also a commitment and a structure, a discipline, which is what we're trying to teach, my, teach our kids. They don't like it very much, the discipline side of things, right? <laughs> Eli, take that out of your mouth. And it would be like a, a fly swat or a fly. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to teach him not to put flies in his mouth. That's... We quickly discover, he's only two, almost two. We quickly discover there's also a commitment and a structure, a discipline. God's design is family, biological and spiritual family. It says uh, Psalm 80, 68, God sets the lonely in families. And, and Alexander continues to write, many opt out of family practice. The yoke of formation when the discipline or whatever perceived pressure or hurtful dysfunction becomes too much. Eli hasn't got to that point yet. Man, I'd be pretty gutted, eh, if he... At his second birthday, he goes, no, nah, this is too much, I'm out. <laughs> I want to eat flies. <laughs> Dad, you're so strict. <laughs> One of Elena's favourite lines is, why are you so mean to me? <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you give you everything all the time. Oh, man, I'm a total pushover. Anyway. Whatever, on a weird tangent. And he continues to write, the same applies to church. So think of that, like that family dynamic. Hey, it's, it's all good until it's not. The same applies to church. The local fellowship, as it used to be called, in fact, our church used to be called Vineyard, uh, Capital Vineyard Christian Fellowship. It's still officially called that. The local fellowship, as, as it used to be called, is both spiritually organic and a formal discipline of belonging and participation. Right, you, um, and well, I think we many of us know this to be true. You you come to faith, and then you and then you join a church, and it's all good, and, until it's not. And then he continues writing, from which sadly many have withdrawn. The local church is God's plan, despite its failings and troubles, even abuses, as a community of recovering sinners. That's who I am, a recovering uh, sinner. I'd love to, oh my goodness, I'd love to kind of dive into this, this even more, but I sort of set myself a target of 25 minutes. 
And, and so, so this morning, I want to kind of bring it all together and, and tie this into where we're at as, as a church, as a church family. Uh, if you've been around for, for a few, few years, you, you might have noticed, like, um, beginning of 2020, uh, we were about 120 gathering on a Sunday morning. And then three years later, on a good Sunday, there's about 60 of, 60 of us. And uh, okay, it's not about numbers, right? <laughs> it's not about numbers. It's about people. But this, but this sort of like this, this downturn of, uh, of coming along and, and fellowshipping with, with each other is, is really typical to what, what I'm hearing. I'm sort of like a churches um, across the nation and, and even across, especially across the Western church. And, and I feel, and I'm not sure if you feel, but I feel, at least for myself, this, this, uh, this urgency and, uh, and I feel that also as a leader of this church, an urgency to build resilience, to be a resilient people that can weather the storms of life. We need to have deep, to be able to, to, be able to weather the storms of life, to have resilience, we need to have deep, vast root systems like, like trees, Deep, vast root system, drawing on the life and the strength of God. You know, like over, over the last few weeks, we've been diving into Psalm, Psalm 1, and it talks about being like trees planted by rivers. We need to have deep root systems, drawing on the life and the strength of God, leading to growth. And like trees, uh, be, be strong and flexible, fruitful in season, life-giving because we're receiving life. If fellowship, fellowship, as ordinary as it is, it's like, you know, the bread and the juice, as ordinary as that is, fellowship is one of the key ways that God has given us to go deeper into Him, to go deeper with each other, and develop resilience. You know, that New York, uh, New York, New York Times article that I pointed to, Earlier, like it talks about what happens when, when people are alone, when, we, when we're lonely. And it talks about the, the, the health effects of that. But God has, has given us, given us each other. Fellowship is, is one of the key ways that we can go deeper and draw from His life. We are not designed to be alone. Alone, we are vulnerable and weak. I know this for myself. Uh, you might be like me and... Um, <laughs> it's actually astonishing as I've, I've been a, a pastoring now for four and a half years and, and get to know a few other pastors. And, and it's fascinating that I talk to pastors and, and you know uh, that, is it Myers-Briggs where you talk about extroverts and introverts? Is that Myers-Briggs? Yeah. And, um, and you go, oh, what, you know, where are you on that kind of scale? So you might have heard of that or if you haven't, um, if you are sort of a, a person and you kind of draw energy from, from being with other people and going to parties and stuff like that, then you, you might be on the extrovert sort of scale. And if, and if you're not, you like to be you like your own time, like to sort of like, you know, get away from people. And you get, that's where you get energy. That's where you're sort of in, you're a bit more introverted, right? And you talk to pastors and so many pastors tend to be introverties, introverts. And I'm kind of like that. I, I like my own time. I get on pretty well with myself. <laughs> Less arguments. <laughs> but there's a, bit, there's a risk there. It's, you know, and I think this has like become more and more important like for myself and I think for others over the last few years because we've had a great excuse not to be with other people. Eh? They might have COVID. 
But, but we sort of have to have the intentionality then and to give that energy to, to building relationships with each, with each other. Strength comes from being, from being together. We're designed to be together. So I don't know. You might relate to that or not. We're des- but we're designed to be together. We're designed to gather. We're designed to fellowship. So I believe that the church is, in fact, the answer to the epidemic of loneliness that many people are experiencing. I know there's lots and lots of other communities out there. Some, some workplaces, Matt and I were talking about how some workplaces try to set themselves up as being like a community, like a family. But they, they'll always fail. And, and even, even the church, even the church has its, has, has its failings, but the church is built on Jesus. Remember, Jesus is a cornerstone. God is in, in this place with us, building us up. So even though like, like churches might, might fail, the church overall will actually never fail. The church, I believe, is the answer to the epidemic of loneliness many people are experiencing. Uh, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 says this, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the, to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. It's almost like, God, oh, we've got to be creative with, with helping each other out here. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So that was written a couple of thousand years ago. So if the day of his returning was drawing near then, it's drawing nearer today, right? <laughs> but, we, but meeting together, it's hard. I know it's hard. It can be hard. What am I saying? This is the, like, the best place to come. <laughs> I love coming here. But I know it takes energy, gathering with one another. It can be, it can be, uh, can be challenging. But here's my encouragement. So he said to encourage one another. So let's, let's encourage each other. How about this as an encouragement? Let's be a people who gather with expectation. Expectation, we talked about, we're two or three gathered in, in Jesus. Then he is, is in our midst. So we can gather with the expectation of, of, encan- of encountering God or hosting God in our coming together. What might happen when, when we come together and God moves in our midst? Might there be fire from heaven? Might there be, uh, might there be amazing healings and, and salvations? Maybe. Might there be s- slow transformation to become more like Jesus? Barely perceptible, becoming more like Jesus. Learning how to love? I think definitely. Might there be, when we gather, building of hope in our own hearts and the hearts of others, release of peace of God within our hearts and into those who we're with. These are just some, these are some ideas we can gather with the expectation. Two, let's be a people who, who gather with intention, intentionality. We, we can gather with intention to build connections with one another, to build and develop relationships. <laughs> you know, I, I used to get really annoyed going to church where they did the bit where they said, turn to the person next to you and blah, 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 right? And now I do it. <laughs> Those cheesy and awkward bits, they're, they're just simply to help us get to know each other. They're icebreakers. They're going, you might not know the person next to you very well, or actually you might know them very, very well. They might be your mum. Or you might not know them at all, but the idea is to simply help us to get, get to know one another. To break the ice. 
because this is such a beautiful moment that we get every Sunday to, to go deeper with some people that we know and to meet people we don't know and to encourage one another in our, in our journeys following, following, uh, following Jesus. Another idea that I think all of us will find hard. I'm going to look down at my notes here because I don't want to catch anybody's eyes. Another idea that I think all of us will find hard, <laughs> but I wonder what it would be like if we put our phones away when we're with other people. <laughs> but honestly, we all know it's true. You're in a conversation with somebody and then they get a message and they're on their phone and you're like, I thought we were talking to each other. You know, I know this. And I'm guilty of it. So I'll continue with what I was saying. Um, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. To try to be wholly present in our conversations and relational interactions. Ah, phew, I was really nervous about that part. So now we're out there. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, so I'm preaching to the choir. All right. <laughs> I do not. Thanks for laughing, Rose. Um, <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yes, true. <laughs> if you done not hear, she just said no one's listening anyway. <laughs> Finding out what's on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Too long, didn't read. <laughs> Finally, let's, peop- let's be a people who gather with commitment. Uh, we, like, when you commit to a relationship, like when you get married or you commit to a, a friendship, you're actually committing to sacrifice part of yourself for the sake of, your, for the, sake of the other person. Well, that's the best way relationships are. You, you, you actually sacrifice yourself for the sake of the other person. And biblically, sacrifice is uh, typically associated with worship, showing God that he's worthy. Perhaps we can be a people who commit to gathering, come rain or shine, even when we don't feel like it even when we've got better things to do. And it might feel, and it often does, it feels like dying to yourself. Which is, funnily enough, often the way of Jesus. Take up your cross, he says. feels like dying to yourself. But, but you've got to think of it differently. Like capture this vision. Hey, the vision of the future kingdom of God. One people, all together in unity. Each week or each gathering might be like like sowing a seed and it might feel ordinary, like taking the bread, like taking the wine. But it's a bit like sowing the seed, sowing the seeds with this long-term view of digging deeper into God, drawing more and more from Him, drawing more from His river of life, establishing healthy rhythms. And there's a hot tip. You can give yourself a reward afterwards, right? Go, I'm going to go to church, and afterwards I'm going to go to McDonald's. (laughs) Rewards are all good, eh, Matt? (laughs) Rewards are all good. And so I've most, today I've mostly focused in on, uh, you know, I kind of narrowed it down to sort of a, a church gathering, right? The Sunday gatherings or whatever that might look like. But I reckon we could take these same practices or these same thoughts into all of our relationships. Because if, you know, if the New York York Times is right, (laughs) that's the New York way of saying it. No, it's not. Uh, If they're right, if there's an epidemic of loneliness, then then people we're interacting with in Wellington City and across across the nation actually need deeper interactions with people. So we could take these same practices 
and to all of our relationships. Like whether at work, whether at school, on public transport, whether in cafes or restaurants, like every interaction with another human being might actually be a moment when God breaks through into our stories. Hey, if there's if there's an epidemic of loneliness, then what could be more meaningful than than fellowship with the people of God in Christ at His centre? I'm pretty I'm pretty excited about this. It gives. You know, uh, the beginning of the year, the prime minister resigned. Uh, the, the former prime minister resigned because uh, she ran out of, um, you know, didn't have enough fuel in the tank. She said, and and it, and um, you know, if I'm honest, in over the last few years as pastor, I've I've sort of thought about resigning as well. You're not meant to say that. <laughs> it just came out because it's because it's hard. But then, when, but when you think about what is the purpose, what is the meaning, what is the big picture of what we're doing together, and it's massive. It's glorious. It's worthwhile. So turn to the person next to you and say, oh, is this guy finished yet? Um, I am, actually. Uh, um, it's, the Holy, it's the Holy Spirit who, who builds us together. But what we can do is we, we can sort of like, almost like set the scene in our, in our conversations and being face-to-face with one another and go, you know, maybe God's going to move in this. Maybe God's going to encourage the other person. All right, I think it was a bit more than 25 minutes. But why, why do we stand, stand together? And um, please forgive me if you prefer to use your phone and, and listen. It wasn't meant as a dig at anyone, please. <laughs> oh, Holy Spirit. Oh, precious, precious God. Wowzers. Sounds from heaven. Lord, we thank you so much for your, for your incredible goodness to us, Lord. Lord, thank you for, for your invitation that you welcome us into, 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 your, into your precious family. Thank you, Lord, for, um, for this morning, almost like this, this hour and a half that we, that we come together with you at, at the centre, Jesus. It could be hard, Lord, to, to, put, to put aside uh, other things that we're thinking about. Whatever's going on in, on our lives, it could be hard sometimes to put those things aside and, to, and to, to fix our attention on you. But you know that, Lord, and you, and you invite us in just as we are. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that, that by you, uh, we are one, your Spirit. One spirit. So even now, Lord, would, would you come and come and move move in our hearts, Lord? Yeah, Lord, pray for that, that sense of, of peace, the peace of your presence, Lord. Pray for that sense of, of joy, Lord, of, of, of even my meaning and purpose, Lord God. For all of us, Lord, whether whether we're here in person or whether we're watching online, Lord, may we all have that sense of, of you are with us. Thank you, Father. May, may we, Lord, learn, learn how we can go deeper in relationship with one another. 
how we can be a people that, that support one another and encourage one another. And, and together we, we draw closer to you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that, that, that we, are one, we are one gathering, but we are part of, of the wider church, thousands, millions of gatherings. We're connected with the people of God across history. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are, you are the cornerstone. The church is built on you. Thank you that you are the head of the church. Thank you that, uh, that we're all growing into you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that, that together we're your dwelling place. Please shift our thinking, even, even uh, help us to see things differently, Jesus, bit by bit. Thank you, Father. And may we, may we even like, re- uh, reveal your glory to a people who, who need to know you. Lord, I pray for people that are, that are, that are feeling lonely. Lord, I pray for the lonely uh, that, are, that might be here this morning, Lord. I pray for a connection with you and, and for friendships and relationships to, to develop with, others, with other people, Lord. Pray for our, our colleagues at work or our school friends or, or people that we encounter that are desperate to make a connection, desperate for a friendship. Lord, help us to see, to see that and to, and to be a people willing, to be people that are willing to almost like lay down our, lay down our own needs for the sake of others, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Mm. Yeah, if you if you want um, prayer for anything uh, this morning, I'd love to. Uh, you can. You're welcome to come come forward, and we can gather around gather around you, or you might just um, ask the people around you uh, to, to pray to pray for you. Um, but but the kind of the sense I'm getting is like like now is a good time to go and and actually talk to one another. You've heard enough of me. Like you can you can talk to one another. You can meet people you haven't met yet. Grab a coffee, buy someone else a coffee. Come abide, come abide. 